When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Pitch to Contact podcast brought to you by the Minnesota Twins winning their first playoff game in almost two decades. John, uh, what were you doing in 2004? Uh, I knew you were going to ask this question, <laughs> and I have no idea. I was probably learning my hatred of the Yankees. That's probably what I was doing in 2004. Yeah, I was all of seven years old, and so probably what I was doing was tripping and falling while trying to play baseball <laughs> at that point. So not that I'm much better now, but still, um, it, it's been a long time, needless to say. And so it's, I mean, it's done, right? This is the thing. And of course, the Twins want to win more. We want the Twins to win more. But like for so long, we talked about it coming into this game. It's so hard to enjoy any sort of success the Twins have because you know, ah, well, they're going to get to October and they're literally not going to be able to win a single game. Mm -hmm. You got the single game, you got that out of the way, and now you can move forward like a normal postseason team. Yeah, you got the monkey off your back. And um, yeah, I guess now it's just winning one of the next two, right? That's that's really the next step. Yeah, Um, and and the good news is they should have a really good shot with Sonny on the mound tomorrow. Uh, He'll be going against Jose Barrios, our old friend. Uh, and then on Thursday, if needed, that would be Joe Ryan against Chris Bassett. And so, uh, it's nice that you don't have to win two. You just got to win one of the two and you're at home. You got that rocking crowd. And I think the first thing we should talk about is that, cause that's all the players could talk about after the game. Uh, John, I know you were able to uh, make it in attendance today. How would you describe the game atmosphere? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've been going to games all season, right? And so it's been, sometimes it's, you know, big crowds. Sometimes it's, uh, smaller crowds sometimes the crowds are made up of uh, opponents fan bases and things like that especially actually the the last time toronto came to town a lot of a lot of blue jays fans in, in attendance to that one and there are still some here but it was very much just such a loud crowd um i wasn't able to make it until after the third inning um because of work stuff so i got there basically once all the scoring was done and everyone was on like a super high, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you know, as much as people like to complain about like the kitschy scoreboard graphics of, you know, everyone get on your feet or, you know, go clap or make some noise, but the crowd delivered. It was, it was a really fun atmosphere. Royce Lewis MVP chants were great. Um, you know, Pablo got a, a well-deserved standing ovation when he came off the mound in the sixth inning. Um, you know, the Duran, uh, inning was just everyone was just on on their feet just waiting for the final out of that game and yeah the crowd was the crowd was fantastic it was it was super fun to be a part of that atmosphere and just to kind of soak it all in um i'm not even aware of like that many people in the crowd knew about the 0 and 18 streak like there was definitely <laughs> like you know the hardcore fans there for sure knew but you know i'd say like of all the people in attendance like you know i maybe like 60 to 70 percent knew that probably this streak was a thing and the, you know the other 30 to 40 percent are just you know want to see a twins playoff game and yeah. i think that was it was it was still a really fun atmosphere to be a part of and just to yeah see how how 
crazy everyone was getting about a baseball game in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing too is even if you don't know specifically about the streak, uh, anybody who's lived in Minnesota for any period of time, I feel like has that uh, sports anxiety dread hanging over you. And yeah. so like, I remember that even from like being a little kid and going to twins games that didn't matter, being like, oh, they're going to blow it. I know they're going to blow it. And that's what always happens. And so, uh, no, I, I think uh, it, it definitely came through over the broadcast where you mm-hmm. can hear him really well. You know, there was a lot of the uh, Gossman, God, like they're just chanting his name like that over and over again. And yep. it was clear the twins were getting to him early and that they were really seeing the splitter well. And, you know, you mm-hmm. can really see it on the broadcast, especially of them uh, laying off that pitch when it was down low. And that's the big key with him because he's essentially a two pitch pitcher, right? If you can lay off of the splitter for the most part, sit on the fastball, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have a really good plan of attack. And that's exactly what the twins did, especially through uh, those first three innings. You know, obviously the runs really only came in on the Royce Lewis, incredible home runs, which we'll talk about in a second. But I really felt like up and down the lineup, the first, you know, time or two through the order, everybody was having really good at bats. Now, once the relievers came in, that's a different story. But uh, with Gossman on the mound, it it was looking really good to the point where uh, I don't know if you caught this on the broad broadcast, but a rod was openly accusing the twins of cheating, uh, which is just right coming from him right like um mr steroids himself can't help but lie at every turn because yeah. that's all he's known his whole life but he literally going into the third inning is like it seems like they're pitch- picking up his pitches a little too well and i'm like all right a rod let's let's settle down a little bit huh i mean uh i was listening on the radio broadcast and there was a moment where gaussman got a he threw his splitter for a, a strike high in the zone and it was it was a called strike and I think it was Dan Gladden who mentioned, hey, like, he doesn't need to get throw that pitch for whiffs every single time. Like, he can throw it for called strikes because of how much movement there is on the pitch. It'll look like – it'll be kind of like a curveball but with more velocity on it. You know, it looks like it's starting outside the zone and then just dips into the zone. And um, sure, I think the ump, like, maybe – well, the ump sort just kind of – off today I think. all over the place yeah. there was uh there's a few pitches by the twins pitchers like basically right down the middle that got called as balls yeah there, there are some the strike zone was not consistent the entire night we can say that yeah. for sure um but i know he was like missing some of the corners but then there was also some times though where he got the inside call and then that's how he took advantage of the twins um i, I think well one thing that gladden said on the broadcast i think that was important was if you know that basically he's a two pitch pitcher, right? He's got the fastball and yep. he's got the, the splitter. If you see a pitch basically coming for your knees, just don't swing, right? Yeah. Worst case scenario, it's a low fastball that gets a called strike and you don't really want to hit that anyways, or it's a splitter. It just drops out of the zone, right? Just look for the high stuff. And that's pretty much what the the twins decide to do is just, Hey, if, it, if it's, you know, if it's coming, if it, if it looks like it's dipping below us, then, or if it's just coming at our knees, really, like just don't go for it. And it yeah. paid off. And listen, we've talked about this before. Just my issue with national broadcasts in general, they just don't really have a good idea of what's going on with the twins. And I get it. It's hard, especially in baseball where it's 162 games. There's so many ups and downs, so many things going on, but there were like multiple times here where people were talking about, Oh, all the people that are missing on the twins roster, Byron Buxton, Tyler Malley, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is not here because he's bad. Joey Gallo was left. He could have been on the roster. He's left off because he's not very good, you know? And so things like that, where it's like, okay, yeah, technically I think he's listed as being on the injured list at the Mm -hmm. moment, but that's 
not why he's not on the roster. And so right. little things like that. And then just a few moments where it's just abundantly clear that I don't think A-Rod watches any baseball outside of the games he does broadcasts on. <laughs> um, and yeah, just it, it's tough when you get uh, the Yankees play-by-play guy and then uh, Yankee fake Hall of Famer. You know, there's a... Uh, there's just going to be a lot of angst there for Twins fans in general, yeah. but mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't like A Rod in the first place, and so then putting him on the Twins broadcast feels just like a slap in the face almost. Sure, yeah, and and like to to Gaussman's credit, the Twins only managed three hits on him, so it wasn't like his fastball was like super hittable. The problem was they just didn't swing on his splitter, and that resulted in in three walks as well. So, yeah. um, And this is exactly what they did the first two times they faced him, right? Mm-hmm. Each time to different varying levels of success. The first time, you know, he went through like five and two-thirds, something like that, only gave up a run. The second time they got to him, but both times the consistent thing was that they were taking pitches and they were taking a lot of walks, which he doesn't give a lot up of. And so there's something there that the Twins picked up on kind of the whole stretch throughout the season here, mm-hmm. whether he was tipping pitches or just, like you said, just play off the low stuff. Just don't swing at it. Whatever it was, it was working for them. So you got to give them credit there for, you know, having a good plan. Yep. 10 balls in play, only three hits. So, yeah, the, uh, the blue Jays out hit the twins in this game. But like we said, this came down to heroics by Royce Lewis. It was all Royce doing uh, everything, which is just incredible. He hasn't played baseball since that injury. He clearly wasn't at full speed, you know, on the grounder that he had, but he hit two home runs. The one in the first inning, just everybody going crazy in the stadium. It was mm-hmm. loud. It was insane. I'm like, man, there's no way this guy is going to keep on doing this. And guess what? He hit another home run in his next at-bat. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know what it is about Royce. I mean, at some point, he's not going to come up big in a moment like this. We mm-hmm. haven't gotten to it yet, though. And yeah. all the grand slams, all the big home runs, all the big RBIs from him, it's mm-hmm. just insane. I don't know how you can ever maintain, you know, this – three-month stretch of baseball that this kid has had right yeah i mean it's kind of a well-known fact that as much as uh fans like to say that clutchness is a real thing it it really isn't at least in baseball you know like again we saw mike trout get struck out by shohei otani in in the finals of the the world baseball classic and i dare you to call mike trout not clutch but you know in the big moments it doesn't always work out but yeah i that first I think the first home, I didn't see the second home, but I still actually haven't seen a replay of it because I've been busy after this game. But the first homer, at least, was incredibly impressive. I think, A, because as soon as it left the bat, you knew it was a homer. But, B, the swing, like, it wasn't even, like, a pretty swing. It was this kind of weird, like, semi-inside-out swing uh, because he was getting pitched inside by Gaussman, and he just muscled that thing over over the fence but yeah it was yeah. like a it was a no dadder as soon as it came off his bat in my you, opinion i mean you really saw the like quickness in the hands right because it was a yeah. 97 mile an hour fastball right in on the inner edge of the strike zone yep. and he just got to it so fast and got into it. the second one though uh was even more impressive it was you know it's a fastball down the middle right you want to put that into play but mm-hmm. um he went the other way with it going out to right center and that's like really where you see the strength especially for those uh right-handed batters and target field hanging mm-hmm. it out that direction you know big oh, wall wow. and everything was... it's a little bit shorter but still it, it was very impressive oh i didn't realize how down the middle that pitch was yeah jeez <laughs> okay yeah yeah but even so, i think he had two strikes on that one and so you know it's a little bit like okay get to the ball make sure you do it but then yeah just he doesn't look that strong but he just clearly is i know yeah the only worrying thing is like you mentioned on that ground out he was kind of hobbling a little bit in the dugout yeah. um 
they showed i mean i didn't see it on the field obviously but um they were showing the broadcast as well and it says like oh he's walking a little gingerly in there but you know and got a good it makes sense rest. he's still hurt he's very clearly still hurt yeah exactly um and so that makes this even more impressive but the one thing that the twins have been pretty consistent on is that he can swing just fine right that hasn't yep. been an issue for him at all and mm-hmm. clearly you know if he just hits home runs well you don't need to run all that yeah. often. honestly so. if i was the blue jays i would just walk him I mean, he's not going to be uh, an asset on the base pass. Exactly sure. right. If 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 the Twins, if if the, if I were the Blue Jays, and I'm that worried about this guy's bat like turning around this game tomorrow, just intentionally walk him. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. He's it, like I hate to like you know give that as the strategy, but it's he's not that good on the base pass right now. And if you don't want to, if you don't want the fear of his bat turning around a game. That's a guy that you just hey here's your free pass we we, we you know we want to respect you and we don't want to face you. Yeah, I mean, well, you saw that in the uh, at bat he had the third time around. He was facing Eric yeah. Swanson at mm-hmm. that point, and Eric Swanson just threw uh, three balls that were nowhere close, yep. and then a three zero strike down the middle, and then a fifth pitch ball nowhere close. Right, exactly. he, just, he wanted absolutely no part of Royce. Yep, and. Yeah, and it almost they almost pulled the same strategy in his fourth at bat, but he did manage to poke out the bat to get at least a grounder. Yeah. So, so so let's talk about a few other specifics here. First off, Pablo Lopez, mm-hmm. incredible, right? Yep. Comes in wearing the Johan jersey. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he he's he's got the immaculate vibes. He's rolling with it. Uh, he's like, hey, I grew up adoring johan johan's the legend here. I want to be just like johan. I want to pitch here, and so he comes in wearing the jersey and. He was good, right? Now, mm-hmm. not to put a damper on moves, but I don't think it was uh, his best game ever. His nope. whiff rate was very low compared to where it is for a season, season average. But yep. at the end of the day, in the playoffs, all that matters is putting up zeros. And that's what he did for you know five innings before he ran into some trouble in the sixth. Yeah. I mean, 16 called strikes. That's really, really solid. He had very good command of the strike zone. Um, just guys weren't whiffing on his sweeper. And I, I just yeah. don't think his changeup was maybe at peak performance um it got, and it might be part of playing the blue jays too the blue jays just don't strike out all that often that's true yeah. uh, they got the big bats but none of them are particularly particularly strikeout zone outside of uh chapman for the most mm-hmm. part like bichette doesn't strike out all that much vlad will strike out but he's not a you know joey gallo type of strikeout guy despite the uh, yeah. build that's similar you know and mm-hmm. so there were- uh they're just pretty good pretty disciplined for the most part right there were some beautiful sweepers for uh for called strikes though like he was attacking the zone super well i i think it was the was it the first at bat to boba shit i think um where he dropped in a a sweeper at the top of the zone for for strike three i think um i i was watching i think this was the one i was watching on the uh, oh, it wasn't Bobichet. Who was it? I can't remember who who he who he struck out. But it was basically just like a a beautiful just dropping in a called strike. And yeah. um, yeah, it, he had good command of the strike zone. And I mean, I already said that, but is it didn't matter because he went five point two innings, which was the which was the biggest part. He could have finished six as well, uh, but the Twins opted. Hey, let's just be safe here. Two men on base. Let's bring in Louis Varland. Um, and yeah, let's let's uh, let's make sure we preserve this win, this lead. So, um, yeah, all honestly, that I think that was our biggest concern, right? With the Twin starters, can they go? Can they give five, six innings? And Pablo did just that and um, did it with only one run ball. Yeah, the the other good news here too is both Pablo and Sonny Gray um, 
they're really good pitchers, even if they're not getting strike outs. Now, Joe Ryan, if we get to game three, uh, maybe not as much of the case, but we've seen Pablo and Sonny both be pretty effective, even if they're not getting, uh, you know, the whiffs you would expect from those top of the line guys. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I think that puts the Twins in a really good position to potentially win tomorrow. And I think obviously you don't want to get to that uh, winner take all game. You want to just take it tomorrow. And so uh, yeah, ha- having Sonny on the mound, having that one-two punch, I think is really, really valuable. And then it lets you go to Houston and open up with Joe Ryan if you want. You can go with Bailey Ober if you want. You can go with Kenta Maeda if you want, right? And then you can turn around and you can use Pablo potentially in game two. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it puts you in a really good position no matter what, obviously, to play fewer games. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, no, I, I I am super encouraged by this. I think once Gossman came off, I think there was a lot of – improvement that I would have liked to see from the offense, some better at bats that would have been nice to see. But at the end of the day, a win is a win, which is not something, you know, in my conscious baseball fan life, I've really ever been able to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Um, thinking about uh, a, a playoff win, to be honest for the twins. Um, it's like, it, it, it feels nice. Right. But then I think there's this idea that it's like, Oh, we still have, you know, tomorrow that we have to play and, and Wednesday and Thursday we have to play. But then you realize, oh yeah, that's right. Sunny craze on the mound. Like it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Some, uh, some other highlights here, Carlos Correa. Let's talk about his incredible defensive play to save a run. Mm, um, yes. We should actually probably preface this with saying uh, Jorge Polanco looked absolutely terrible at third base. Like yeah, uh, wh- whatever the worst case scenario was, this was pretty much it. They just kind of got lucky that they didn't end up giving up a run. But the yes. very first batter of the game, uh, George Springer, first of all, he has a pop out to kind of in between Kirloff and Kepler over in right in foul territory. Neither of them can get to it. Falls right between them. Like, ah, oh, bad luck. Okay. Okay. A couple of pitches later, slow grounder over to Polanco. Polanco makes a bad throw to first. Kirilov uh, gets pulled off the bag to add insult to injury. Springer steps right on his wrist, the wrist that has given him trouble the mm-hmm. last few years. And so, you know, there's a little bit worry about that with Kirilov. He stayed in the game. There was no issues. But just starting the game off like that with Polanco, who is kind of the weak link on defense, especially if he's at third, was a, a rough look. Luckily, the Twins were able to get out of that in the first. Now, come around to the third, the Twins are or the fourth. The Twins are up 3-0 after Royce Lewis's second home run. And then there is a slow-ish ground ball towards third base. Polanco uh, goes to pick it up, just completely misses it, goes straight under his glove. You think base is going to be loaded, but then uh, Bo Bichette tries to advance home. Carlos Correa flies in behind Polanco, mm-hmm. picks up the ball on the fly, makes a diving sideways body contorting throw home to Jeffers. Jeffers makes a good pick, tags out Bichette at home, inning over. If that's a bad description of it, but if you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's honestly one of the most impressive defensive plays I've ever seen. Correa came out of nowhere to grab that ball and make the throw. Yeah, like legitimately, like it looked like a routine grounder, right? Like, yeah, just like, oh, but Polanco just charged it a little too fast. And Kiermaier's fast, right? So he's probably trying to get it and it's make true. sure he can get Maybe, Kiermaier yeah, out. But... That's probably, yeah, probably a little bit. But yeah, Polanco, like Correa's like, the the other thing too is like Polanco's like in, what, like halfway between home and third, I think, when he tries to field the ball. Yeah. And there's just no one behind him. And yeah, yeah Correa manages to get over because he's covering second base because they're, you know, in that pseudo shift. Um, yeah. And yeah, he comes over. And then, yeah, Bobichet for some reason, decides... This is the this is my time to shine, and like you can't blame him. It's a playoff game, you know. Like you want to get every edge that you can, um, but it was a two out situation, 
you know, any out finishes the inning. And um, yeah, Correa, Correa threw him out like by like probably like half a second. Like he had like Jeffers had plenty of time to set up the tag when he received yeah, the ball. No. It was it was a great defensive play all around. Ryan Jeffers, I think, you know, in terms of individual performances, give him credit for calling a really good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's come leaps and bounds there. And the pitchers also have great things to say about his game calling and his preparation and everything. And yeah. so, um, you know, with the pitch com, there's always, I think, a little bit of like, okay, is this Jeffers? Is this Lopez? What's going on here? But it's always a combination of both. And, yep. you know, the game plan that they come up with, with the pitching staff. And so um, you got to give credit there. And then let's uh, also talk about Michael A. Taylor, who had a very unspectacular day at the plate, but made mm-hmm. – a diving Superman S catch in center field earlier in the game. And then Matt Chapman on the hardest hit and furthest hit ball of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, Taylor makes an excellent read, catches a ball at the wall to frankly save two runs and save the game for the twins. It was uh, a really impressive play by Taylor that he made look not impressive because he is a very good center fielder. Got a great jump on that ball. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the outfield defense, to be honest, like they, they, they did get a, decent number of fly balls um or made a decent number of plays out there kepler also had a catch like at the warning track that was a little dicey but yeah michael yeah. taylor for sure um biggest impact with his two two really three actually uh three um fielding uh plays in the outfield so um that's why you kind of have that's why you want a gold glover back there right like yep um it's why even though a lot of a lot has been said about michael a taylor's bat that's why he's the starting center fielder in game one and not someone like Willie Castro um, or, you know, like uh, Andrew Stevenson's not really in the conversation there, but even some guy like him, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's really because, hey, it, we want to make sure that we preserve everything that we can in this game and defense is a big part about baseball. And so that's why we're going to have Michael E. Taylor back there. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see with Taylor uh, if he's going to come back with the Twins next year, what kind of contract he's mm-hmm. going to command on the market. He's a free agent after this year. And even if Buxton is going to be back out there playing center, I mean, we know very well with Buxton at this point that he's not going to play a full season out there. And so you have to have a, frankly, starting caliber center fielder. Maybe they're mm-hmm. comfortable just having Willie be that guy uh, or Austin Martin, one of the other prospects. But uh, Michael A. Taylor, I think, has been a very valuable part to this team. And he's hit, you know, 20-some home runs. And so yeah. that's pretty much all he brings offensively, but still just that the defense alone and then having a little bit of a spark there down at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, an incredible addition for our, from the front office staff to really shore up the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, what, and what a moment for Louis Varlin to make his uh, playoff debut too with yeah. guys on first and second. He throws like three pitches total to uh, Matt Chapman in the third one. He firmly squares up and that's a, you know, that that's a ball that's a hit more often than not. Yeah, I was, uh, that felt like basically like the, oh, Oh no, the, this is the, where the, the, game... the moment that we're so used to of like, okay, the twins are going to win this. The twins are going to win this. And yeah. then that ball bounces off the wall to RBI triple, you know, something yeah. like that. And yeah, but didn't happen. Yeah. The, the stars all aligned. And I mean, so, uh, shout out yeah, to ahead. Louie, shout out to Louie with basically just throwing two fastballs, but one <laughs> at 99 and the other one at 98 miles an hour. And yeah, yeah it's just unfortunate that like one of them had to get tagged. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is the other thing we talked about with Louie too. You know, he's new to relieving. He only threw a few pitches. And so theoretically he should be available tomorrow, but yeah, you never know. And so, um, you know, ideally you don't need him. You have Sonny Urego six, and then you go field bar Jack Duran again. Mm-hmm. But, um, since he only threw a few pitches, you would hope Farland would be available because he's been like, we we're talking about before one of their best relievers since moving into that role. Yeah. But, um, ne- next things we should talk about here is the bullpen, uh, outside of Varland, right? Varland gave up that big hit pretty much the rest of 
the way was mm-hmm. pretty solid. Uh, Fieldbar came in and got three guys out, no issues there. Uh, Jax gave up a leadoff double to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yep. Uh, one, one quick note here: um, I was shocked they didn't go to Duran in the eighth. I know. Same. He he's been used in that role a lot less this year compared mm-hmm. to last, but. Yeah. In, in the playoffs, you know, you manage things a little bit different. And frankly, outside of Vlad and Bichette, I'm not that worried about most of their hitters. And right. so I, I was pretty surprised that they uh, went jacks there. And nobody asked Rocco about it after the game, as far as I could tell, because everybody was too excited about the win. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's a pretty big, like, managerial mistake there. I, I'm a pretty big fan of Rocco and think he does a good job. But you got to go to Duran there when their best hitters are coming up. Yeah, it did feel like it did feel like that situation where it's like, Hey, like you, you want best on best. Right. Yeah. Um, and I get the whole idea. It's like, Hey, if we really want to win this game, we want to make sure our best pitchers in the ninth inning too. Right. Cause it closes us out. Um, and if we have enough faith in Jackson, he can take care of these bats. I mean, after all it was righty, righty, and then a lefty in Kevin Biggio. Right. So, Honestly, a pretty good matchup for Jax for a guy who's like basically a healthy diet of sliders and fastball. It's like kind of his perfect matchup. Um, so I, I could see both ways. I do think if if I had been in Rocco's place, I probably would have gone into Duran in the eighth just because if you get Guerrero out, Bichette out, and then Biggio, then you can send Jax out to face, you know, Kurt, yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer and Matt Chapman. But then the, uh, the weird thing, of course, there is Kiermeyer is a lefty. Chapman, I think, is a lefty. No, he's, no, a, he's a righty. He's a righty. Yeah. That's right. Um, so then you're you're just like, okay. Um we still he's still gonna be facing righties, but then yeah. but Jax is way more predictable to bat against than some guy like Duran, who's you know shout out to Duran, by the way, like five straight curveballs. Like three the first the first <laughs> the first batter was three yeah. straight curveball strikeouts, which was with well, three straight curveballs for a strikeout, which was like insane. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it's one of those decisions I could go either way. I probably would have leaned with you and, and go with Duran in the eighth to face those big bats. But at the same time, I could see why they were like, well, the matchup's right for Jax. Yeah. And and this is one where it's like, okay, if this is like a game seven in the NLCS, you might see Duran for two innings, mm-hmm. right? But yep. you need Duran tomorrow. And yes. if you pitch on Thursday, you need Duran potentially on Thursday. And so, you know, you obviously don't want to go into that position either. There's Brock Stewart in the bullpen, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's pitched two games or maybe three games that's coming off the injured list with yeah. an elbow injury. You don't know how effective he's going to look. And so you went with your three most reliable and consistent relievers that you had throughout mm-hmm. the year. That's good. Yeah. Just maybe tweak the order. And um, it, it, it just, I, I had flashbacks. I think it was 2016, the uh, Orioles wild card game where they uh, had that big spot where Buck Showalter famously didn't bring in uh, Zach oh, Britton. Zach it was like bases yeah. loaded in the eighth inning or something like that. And they didn't go to Zach Britton. Yeah. Well, then Zach Britton never pitched in that game because whoever they were playing took the lead and Britton wasn't needed. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to deal with the situation in front of you before you can even get to the ninth. So again, you yeah. want your best guy in the ninth, but you got to get to the ninth with a lead first. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it, it worked out. And so we're, we're nitpicking, right? It's it's their first win in 20 years in the playoffs. And so we're not going to uh, complain about it. But again, there, there's still some areas to improve here, which maybe is a good thing going forward because you mm-hmm. can look better than they did today. Yeah. And speaking of bullpen usage, I mean, just focusing even on um, the Blue Jays, the fact that Gossman went 1.2 innings less than Pablo meant that they yeah. burned through five pitchers. Um two of them being Jordan Hicks and Tim Meza, or uh, uh, really Jordan Hicks and Eric Swanson, who are kind of their yeah. setup men behind Jordan Romano. Um, Tim Meza was out there for uh, three pitches, so he's he's definitely still basically 
he, it's like he didn't pitch. Uh, Chad Green went 1.1 innings, pitched 14, uh, had 14 pitches there. So, you know, a decent amount of work for the Blue Jays bullpen. Um, they, they didn't use Jordan Romano, which probably works out for them. But I thought it was super weird yeah. that they brought out Hicks. Um, and then they brought out Swanson immediately after Gosselin. I felt like that was a weird move as well. But. Yeah, those are kind of their two main guys behind Romano, right? Exactly. And so it's good for the Twins because, again, you, you got them to work. And so if yeah. they're needed tomorrow, you know, they're going to be a little bit more gas. And maybe that's that little bit that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And so right. um, it's it's it was definitely a good move for the Twins to get to him early. And then hopefully you can do the same with Barrios tomorrow. And you're really – uh, extending them at that point. Of course, uh, the Blue Jays with their backs against the wall, they're not going to hold anything back anyway. Exactly, right? if, yeah. if they really need Jordan Hicks tomorrow, there's not really any scenario where he wouldn't pitch. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe that little bit, the sinker that's usually at 102 is at 101 and a half, and then you can square it up a little better. And so yeah. th- those are the little things that really make the difference in the, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I Another thing I wanted to mention too that I thought was super weird was um, – when Rocco brought in Willie Castro for Matt Walner to face Jordan Hicks. Um, did he bring him in to face Jordan Hicks? I think it was, it was a defensive sub the inning before. Did he sub him out beforehand? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize he subbed him in. Yeah, no, it, no, it was he a, didn't though. In the, in the eighth inning, Kyle Farmer stayed in the game as a third baseman. Did he get subbed out earlier? No, he got, he got subbed out earlier. Oh, he, he did. Got he subbed. got subbed out in the seventh. Yeah. And so it was oh, that's Walner's weird. turn and the order came around. He took that at bat. He was out. And then after that, they swapped out gotcha. uh, Willie for Walner. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I, I remember seeing that and thought it was just a kind of a weird move. But at the end of the day, it's like, maybe you wanted the better defender. I mean, Walner has a cannon of an arm, but maybe yeah. he doesn't have the speed to jump on balls like Castro does and, and, yeah. those moments but i think the big thing was with how i mean frankly with how the offense was looking they weren't really counting on walner's spot coming back around true and they happened to load the bases in the eighth and then it did come around and then yeah. it's bases loaded willie castro which obviously you'd rather have walner in that situation but yeah. you, you make that sub with the understanding that this could happen and mm-hmm. you know willie as a backup in that spot is a lot better than andrew stevenson right for sure but um i i kind of get this the switch walner while he has that you know incredible arm out in the outfield mm-hmm. he does have problems getting to balls sometimes and so i would rather with the 3-1 lead just take the guy that you know is going to get to any potential ball so that nothing you know for uh, sure. spirals for for the pitching yeah i did like the aggressive sub of putting in donovan solano for kirloff in the fifth inning. yeah i did think it was like when i heard it was announced it's like oh that that feels very early for this but then it was like you know two men on base you're only up three one uh it's yeah. lefty on lefty let's just bring in our you know best right-handed pinch hit hitter who has a tendency to you know pretty much only hit barrels uh let's see what he can do of course he ended up hitting a pop fly which is hilarious but um yeah it, it, i thought that was an aggressive but good move for the playoffs yeah i mean it's it's what we've seen from them all year where they have solano on the bench and the reason he played in so many games is because he's a designated left-handed pitch hitter essentially yeah um and he started a good amount too which i think the twins you know would rather not do in most scenarios but again that that's um exactly what you want and it kind of goes with what i was saying with the relievers where you deal with the situation in front of you so right now what you have is the lefty on the mound and two guys on base you don't know if you're gonna have any more guys on base the rest of the game and mm-hmm. so you, you take what's in front of you and make the best move you can and so i i didn't mind it and then of course solano makes a great diving stop to uh win yep. the game at the end too mm-hmm. so yep uh the uh you know that that's kind of the concern with that move too i think you'd rather have kirilov at first than solano defensively mm-hmm. but solano made the big play when it counted yeah also shout out to um 
Max Kepler, who got a hit off a lefty during the day. And then uh, promptly, I think, in his next at bat, struck out against a righty. So you know, I know if if they night, didn't have the uh, <laughs> if they didn't have the pitch clock rules, I would maybe seriously suggest okay, we're going to take a lot of time here so that <laughs> you know if Max Kepler comes up to bat in the latter half of the game, it's yeah. nighttime. So. Yeah, he just works better like when the lights are on and there's no shadows. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so. Uh, I don't know. This was a good game. I think it basically went almost exactly according to how, you know, if the twins coaches could, how they would have scripted it. Mm-hmm. I think the only real change they would have made is they would have loved Pablo to get through six and not use Varland for that last out. But other than that, it was essentially six innings from your starter and then field bar Jax Duran win on the offensive side. It was okay. They're going to bring in a lefty for Kirloff. We're going to pinch it with Solano exactly like mm-hmm. uh, we planned. And then we get around to the last three innings and we're going to sub Willie and left. We're going to sub farmer in at third and slide Polanco over to second. Right. Yeah. That was the exact thing that they wanted to happen uh, from the beginning. Obviously they would have loved to score more runs and everything like that. But as far as in game, what we're planning on, couldn't go more perfectly to how they would have uh, scripted it out. Yeah, pretty much it, all the moves that they made were ones that we expected. And um, yeah, it, it sets the team up better for success tomorrow because they have a more healthy bullpen. And, you know, the, the team has now got the one o or the o eighteen 18 thing off their back. Yep. You know, imagine if they lost this. It's like, oh, now they're the o 19 team. And just that, you know, maybe that presses, forces them to prep you know, press a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I am definitely looking forward to tomorrow's game. Uh, we'll see if the twins can provide any run support to Sonny gray since uh, they really haven't done that the entire year. Listen, if uh, there was ever a time to start. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, I think tomorrow we're going to see almost, we're going to see the exact same lineup. We're going to see the exact same game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a pitcher like Barrios, I think you're going to try to attack him the same way, which is lay off the, uh, you know, low sinker two seam fastball that he has and hit the stuff that's in the middle of the zone. And so, yeah, don't get I think it's going to be a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to be a very similar game plan from the hitters. And, you know, basically what you're hoping at this point is, you know, they still come back with that same energy, right? I think as a fan, I kind of felt this too, where it's like, okay, you got the one, but mm-hmm. like now what, right? But we started a new streak. It's one and zero. maybe they'll win the next 18 straight and uh, win the world series. Hey, if you stop one streak, you got to start another one, right? Exactly. Um, I, I think that's everything we got here. Do you have any other uh, parting thoughts here, John? No, not really. It, it, I guess maybe the one thing, and you mentioned this in our last pod, but uh, I guess it means a little less now because we, we're now 1-0, and oh, but uh, the video from Chris Hanel, or Hamel, I believe, who um, is over at Twins Daily, but it was basically almost a two-hour video on the 0-18 playoff streak. Uh, I was, finished it last night. I was just kind of, man, it's it's been a long time, you know? I, like, I still time. remember... I still remember like those early playoff series back in, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004, because um, the 2002 one, especially since that was one, the one where we got to the ALCS, but um, 2004 is, yeah, I'm not kind of, I'm kind of not joking. Like that's when I started to learn how to hate the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy too. I mean, think about all of the great, like hall of fame level twins players that mm-hmm. played for the twins in this span that never won a single playoff game right yeah justin morneau with the twins and with uh the other teams he played for never won a single playoff game joe yeah. mauer never won a single playoff game now justin morneau isn't going to go to the mlb hall of fame joe mauer will mm-hmm. um but still that's like just absolutely 
insane that they did not win once. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, it really goes to credit this team. I think this is one of the deepest teams we've seen from the Twins have in a very, very, very long time. Um, I saw on Twitter before the game today, somebody posting uh, screenshots of the rosters from the 2020 and 2019 teams that made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you just look up and down and there is guys like Jarrell Cotton, and um, I can't remember on the 2019 team. It was like Jonathan Scope, right? And guys like that that just weren't that good anymore. Pitchers especially that weren't that good anymore. And there's nobody like that on this team. You know, the only one you would really say that you don't maybe want on the team is Andrew Stevenson. And mm-hmm. he is there exclusively to pitch run. That's the only reason he's on the right. roster. Yeah. Every single pitcher that we have is leaps and bounds better than the guys that we had on those teams. It's just completely night and day. It's shocking. And again, We've been very critical of the front office, but this is a really, really good team that's built for success in October. Yeah, and um, it, it's only going to get more interesting from here. I don't know if it's going to get better, but it's definitely going to get more interesting. And uh, the Twins, yeah, and they now they can actually focus on the game instead of kind of focusing on this streak. And yep. no one has to ask them about this streak anymore. Right. Which I think yeah. is probably something that they're happy about. Cause they're like, we did, we weren't, we didn't do this. Streak. Like we weren't part of the streak. Yeah. We didn't lose 18 games in a row. It's just, you know, it, it's an organizational thing. And, you know, it's kind of similar to, you know, when, when Boston finally won the world series in 2004, you know, it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we don't wait another 90 years to win another one. And, you know, they, yeah. they probably, you know, I think they did in 2007 again. So, um, yeah, here's to hoping that the Twins uh, continue this winning streak that they're on for at least yeah. the foreseeable future. Like I said at the beginning, it's a new streak. It's a new life. Now you can just be a normal postseason team without this, you know, worst streak in the history of professional sports yeah. hanging over you. It's it's done. It's gone. Let's move on. And more importantly, let's take care of business tomorrow and prepare for the Astros. You know, that that's the type of team that they have, especially all of September. They're just winning these games nonstop. And so let's have them do one more. And then you've got a little bit more margin of error when you get uh, to Houston, which, which will be nice. And these wild card series, you really have such little margin for error. And so that's why like little things like the Polanco miss ground balls can really come back to hurt you. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we got today. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we'll be coming to you most likely tomorrow after the game as well. And then, uh, you know, we'll keep doing this from here on out. But the streak's done. It's over. Twins win. Let's go, John. Let's do it. 